Thank you for listening to a sermon from the District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at Thanks, Rainsford. All right, how are we doing this morning, guys? Great. Great, good, okay. All right, I like to hear that, especially on such a cold morning. Uh, I know it's cold when I walk outside and the moisture on my beard just freezes and I look like a snowman uh, or a Sasquatch. Um, so it's a good, good time. Uh, my name is Josh. I'm one of the lead pastors here at the District Church, for those of you who don't know me. And it's, a, it's always a joy and an honor to be able to open up God's Word with you guys. Um, this morning we are going to be closing our Epiphany series. Um, and if you've been here the last couple of weeks, what we've talked about in Epiphany is the manifestation of Christ um, and how that plays itself out in our lives every day. So whether it's the spiritual disciplines, uh, the rule of life as we've talked about, uh, the rhythms and patterns of our lives, uh, that's what we would call the manifestations of Christ and how that pattern ultimately transforms our life. And so today, we're going to be closing that series out with one of the more difficult topics of this series, um, and that's on the topic of rest. And I say difficult because we live in America, we live in a society where rest is looked down upon, right? Rest is not something that we do well. Now, don't hear me when I say we don't do binging Netflix well. We do that well. Don't hear me not say we don't sit in our PJs and just hang out on the couch all day well. We, we are good at that, right? And sometimes, as we'll see in this sermon, sometimes that's okay. Sometimes that's what we need. But sometimes we also overindulge, and we don't look at resting the way the Bible talks about Sabbath rest. And so that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. Sabbath rest. And my hope is that when we take a look at our lives, when we look at the rule of life that we've been walking through, I hope that we are starting to implement some of those things, right? That as you guys sit here every week and you hear us talk about the gospel and how the gospel should impact how you do your life, that these things of, God, of reading God's word, of being devoted to prayer, gospel community, evangelism, and rest, these are things that you're starting to implement in your life. I'm not asking for, or we're not asking for, a jump in the deep end to where then you automatically just feel weary and tired of doing these things, but a slow, gradual movement towards getting better at reading God's Word, getting better at sharing the gospel, getting better at being vulnerable in community, getting better at Sabbath rest, so that it compounds on itself right? To, to use the analogy of interest, if it compounds, if it continues to compound on itself by the time you're 40, 50, 60, I know for some of us that doesn't seem very far off, and some of us it does, but it'll continue to compound, and you'll look like, as the Bible describes, the blessed man and blessed woman, when you continually do these ordinary things day in and day out, and that's what sanctification looks like, right? So that's what we're going to take a look at, and that's what my hope is this morning when we talk about a rule of life pertaining to rest. Now, what's funny is every time I get up here and, and preach, I typically will ask the same question opening up, right? How are you doing? I ask that all the time, and today was a great answer. Sometimes it's not. I'll always get Bryce to tell me how he's doing, and that's a good thing. I appreciate that, and keep, keep doing it. But if we were having a conversation, right, if we were out in the cafe, if we're here after the gathering, and I ask you that question, typically what I'll get is three different responses. And it might be the same for you guys as well. It might be that you get the response of, I'm doing good, right? I'm doing great. Life's good. Now, that could be a lie, right? You could be lying to me when I ask you that question. You could also not know me well enough that you don't want to share what's going on. And so a adequate response is, I'm good. Life is good. Or it, it is the truth. Life is good. God is having a, a blessing type of season in your life, and it's just it's going smoothly. And that's okay. We praise God for that. But the, the other typical response that I might get is, I'm good, but I'm busy. 
Life is busy, right? The kids got sports. My work has picked up. I'm busy. And then the third response that we might typically give, and I think I've found this to be true, especially in the last 18 months, is I'm weary. I'm tired. Right? How are you doing? I'm, I'm tired. Life, family, work, pandemic, culture, stress, whatever it is, the response is, I'm tired. I'm weary. You know what's making you weary. You know what's making you tired. And so you, you share that. And in a broken and fallen world that we are in, that's the reality that we have. We are tired. We are a weary people. And I can't tell you how many times that I've heard that answer, that I've given that answer myself. Anybody here this morning? Weary? Tired? Only me? Okay, good. I got some truthful people in here. Great. But we're weary. But this morning I want you to see that the beauty of Scripture, the beauty of God's Word is that it shows us that in Jesus we find our rest from our weariness. It's in Jesus we find rest from our brokenness. It's in Jesus we find rest from striving and performing. And when we practice Sabbath rest, we are reminded of the goodness of God and that we can delight in Him, even in our weariness. In fact, Jesus says, as we read this morning, as Rancid read this morning, Jesus says, come to me, those who are weary, those who are heavy laden, come to me. Take my rest. Take my yoke. And so my main point this morning that everything is going to flow from is this. Practicing Sabbath rest helps us delight in the Lord and remember His goodness to us. I'll say that again. Practicing Sabbath rest helps us delight in the Lord and remember His goodness to us. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. We're going to be taking a look at the fourth commandment, talking about this Sabbath rest. And as you're opening your Bibles there, I want to answer four questions this morning when it comes to Sabbath rest. Because some of you might be like, I understand rest, but I've never heard of this word Sabbath. Right? So I want to show you from a biblical perspective, what is Sabbath? Why do we need it? Where do we get it, and how do we practice it? So those four questions I want to answer. So Exodus chapter 20, reading the fourth commandment starting in verse 8, we see Moses write this. He says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is within it and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the Lord's word for us today. Let us go to him in prayer and ask him to bless this time. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it shows us the promise of rest. The promise that when we remember and rest in you, even though we are weary, even though we are tired, we can find ultimate rest and joy and hope and peace in you. And so I pray that this morning, through your word, you would enlighten us to see this truth, that you would help us to create rhythms in our lives to practice this Sabbath rest, not only because you command it, but more importantly, Lord, because in that command you are inviting us into something that we may not necessarily see, but we need. And you know that. That's why you designed it this way, Lord. 
So help us to see that. Help us to embrace that. Help us to love it and practice it so that we can have true rest and ultimately, Lord, bring glory to your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Exodus chapter 20. So just to kind of give you a quick background of what is going on here and not to just jump into one verse. Exodus chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments, right? It's, it's where we find God's moral law and his covenant to his people, Israel. Right? And if we know our Old Testament, we know that God's people through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had received a covenant from God that he would make them his own, and that he would bless Abraham as the sand on the seashore, and that he would give them a covenant of peace and a covenant that would make them his people. And as we see throughout Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's life, continuing on to Joseph, Joseph gets sold into slavery. Joseph then becomes the second man under Pharaoh through God's providence. And in that providence, his father comes to Egypt and brings the people of God to Egypt. And for 430 years, the people of God live in Egypt, but then become slaves and then become workers under Pharaoh's hand. And if you're familiar with this Old Testament story, I, I promise you I'm just paraphrasing. <laughs> this is not word for word. But we see that as God's people begin to cry out under Pharaoh's hard hand, God remembers the covenant, and he remembers his people, and he sends Moses to Pharaoh. And he says, let my people go. And Pharaoh, with a hardened heart, says no, multiple times going back and forth. And then we see the ten plagues. And ultimately, after the last plague, Pharaoh sends the Jews out, sends the Israelites out. And then we find the scene of Israel running, right? And Pharaoh's coming back after them. This is where we get the story of the parting of the Red Sea. And then after that, after Pharaoh's army is destroyed through the parting of the Red Sea, Israel is now wandering in the wilderness, waiting for God's instruction. And we come upon Moses' story of going up to Mount Sinai and receiving these Ten Commandments. And these Ten Commandments were, again, a sign of the covenant that God had given to his people through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were God's governing laws for his people on how they were to live. Now again, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, there are also other laws that they were supposed to obey that we find in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, numbering up to 613. But these ten commandments that God gives, these are the moral law that Israel and God's people were supposed to follow. And so they look like some things like, you shall not take my name in vain. You shall not have any other God other than me. And so on and so forth till we get to the fourth commandment. And we see that in this command, God is reminding the Israelites that they should continue and remember the Sabbath. What's interesting is that God's design, starting from creation, is for his people to rest, to have six days of work, and to have one day separate and holy specifically for the Lord. So we see this pattern from creation into these commandments all the way into the New Testament that God has designed his people to Sabbath rest. And here in Exodus, we see God is establishing that pattern and giving them this law. But what's interesting is you see early on, even in this verse, verse 8, that God is telling them to remember this Sabbath, to remember this created order. This wasn't something new that the Israelites hadn't already known, right? If you look through the story of the Israelites and up until this point, there were different patterns that God had set up in order for them to understand Sabbath rest. Whether it was the feeding of the manna, or whether it was the created order that God rested on the seventh day that we see in Genesis 1 and 2, the Israelites understood 
that the Sabbath was already created before these laws came about. And God tells them to remember. My question is, why, why would God tell the Israelites to remember? Well, I think there's two reasons that we have to take a look at when it comes to context of the book of Exodus, right? What just happened? The story of the Israelites were that they were slaves for 430 years, and they worked and worked and worked. They didn't practice any type of Sabbath. They weren't able to practice because they were slaves. And then God comes in and says, hey, remember. Remember my created order. Remember the rest. Remember what I've promised you through this rest. Because I know that you haven't been able to practice this. But I think there's also a deeper understanding here, and it, and it pertains to really all of us as human beings, right? Israel, being human, just like us, is prone to forget. That's why he says, remember. Prone to forget. Prone to wander. That's why I love that we just sang, come thou fount, right? Prone to wander, prone to leave the God we love. It's not just us when we sing that song. It's humanity, we are so prone because of sin to wander and forget God's good and great commands. And so here, God is reminding Israel, remember the Sabbath. And not only was he telling them to remember the Sabbath, he was calling them to keep it holy. To set it apart. To make it sacred. To not forget it. Because this is a day where you rest and you remember what I have done. But there's a reason why I think this commandment is so important, right? We find these ten commandments here, and some of them just kind of make sense, right? Don't, don't worship any other God except God. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't covet. Don't bear false witness. I mean, these things, you kind of they kind of make sense as to why you would have these types of laws based on how people can respond to one another. But when it comes to Sabbath, I think it's important for us to ask this question, why is this commandment, especially why is it in top five, right? Why, why is it one of the four early commandments that God gives? And I think there's three reasons that we can find why this commandment is important, not only to Israel, but also to us today. The first one is this. Sabbath rest is both modeled and commanded in Scripture, right? Genesis 1 and 2, we see early on in the created order that it is modeled by God. If you go to the end of the creation account, at the end of chapter 1 of Genesis into the beginning of chapter 2, we find that as God created all things, and as He sat back and He looked at His creation, He says, this is very good, and then what does He do? He rests. God didn't need to rest, God doesn't need a day off. He doesn't, he doesn't need the Sabbath. But what he's doing is he's establishing a created order for us to see that it is good for us to rest and ultimately rest and remember him and what he's done and that he's created all things and that he is sustaining all things. So it's modeled, but it's also commanded. It's commanded from the created order, but it's also commanded here in Exodus as well as in Deuteronomy. And we see even into the New Testament, Jesus continues the Sabbath command. But it is going to look a little bit different, and we'll get to that. But it's modeled and commanded. The second reason that I think it's important that we have this and we obey this command is because we need it. We need it. Sabbath rest reminds us and reveals to us that we are weak. Now, we love to hear that, right? We love to hear that we're weak. We love to hear that we only have a certain capacity and that we are finite. Anybody, anybody love hearing that right now? I don't. But it's true. Sabbath rest reminds us and reveals to us that we are weak and finite, that we are not God. So we need it. And then thirdly, it's important that we keep the Sabbath because it is a discipline of trust. Going to that revelation that we are weak, we also understand that we are not God. And even though the Sabbath is about imitation of God who works and then rests, it's also a day to remember that we are not Him. 
We take a day off and the world gets along just fine without us. You recognize, you realize that, right? That when you take a day off, the world still goes on. We're not as important as we think. There is a God and we have to trust that we are not Him and that He is good and He is taking care of us as well as this world for His glory and ultimately for our good. This is the heart of what we're doing in Sabbath. We're practicing a discipline of trust. So what is Sabbath? I want to answer it with this. Resting in and remembering God's promise to His people. Sabbath is resting in and remembering God's promise to His people. So if it's commanded to us, and and if we know our Scriptures well, we know that God specifically Jesus, when he is talking to the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 5, and we'll get to this passage, what does he say? I I have come not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it, right? Or abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And so we know, post-cross, that Christ has ultimately fulfilled the rest that we can enter into, Right? But what we also see in Scripture is that there is a bigger narrative when it comes to Sabbath rest and that this command of God is still required of us. That these Ten Commandments that we would hold to as the moral law, the law that God governs His people with, are still applicable to us, even the fourth one. So I want to give you this kind of big picture from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the created order to Jesus calling us to rest. This first big picture that we've already talked about is that we are commanded to take one out of seven days to stop working, to stop striving, and to start trusting, to practice the discipline of trust See, when you Sabbath, what you're doing is you are remembering, or this is what you're supposed to be doing anyways, right? Remember the Sabbath day. We are remembering what God has done. Israelite, Israel, as they were commanded to remember, they were supposed to remember that God ultimately brought them out of slavery. And so in their time of Sabbath, they were supposed to remember that freedom that God has given I want to show you this in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles still open, scroll on over to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And you'll find this reiteration of the Ten Commandments. But when we see this word remember, there's something else attached to it. And I want you to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Moses writes, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord God commanded you. So this sounds a lot like Exodus 20. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that your male servants and your female servants may rest as well as you. But here's the difference here. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. So Israel was commanded to remember the Sabbath, but in remembering the Sabbath, they were supposed to also remember and meditate on what God had brought them from, slavery to Egypt. You see, for us now, Sabbath is also a remembrance. But it's not just remembering a day that we have taken off and to to just rest and relax. We are supposed to remember the God who commands us to set that day aside. We are supposed to remember that this God is the creator of heaven and of earth. He is the creator of you and me. But there's more than just that in this remembrance. You see, like Israel, we are supposed to remember what God has done for us in calling us out of 
the slavery of sin and death and hell, our biggest enemies. This is what God has done, and this is why we rest and remember and meditate when we take this Sabbath. That God has brought us out of the darkness into this marvelous light, and he's given us this ultimate rest in Jesus. And when we're trusting in God and we're taking a day off, we're saying, Lord, I, I'm remembering this. I'm meditating on this truth. I'm worshiping you in this reality. So this is, this is what the Sabbath looks like for us as the people of God. So the next question I want to ask this morning is why do we need it? I hope you've already picked up on some of the reason why we need it. Right? It's not just a physical rest, but it's also a remembrance of the spiritual rest that we have received in Christ, a filling up of our souls, a trusting in God that He is ultimately in control and that, yes, He can sustain our lives, our jobs, our careers, our families when we rest. But I want to show you that in Sabbath rest, we find blessings. Now, don't get, all weird, or don't get weird on me right now. I'm not talking about a blessing in regards to health, wealth, and prosperity. That, that's not what I'm preaching this morning. I know, it's shocking, right? Isaiah 58, you don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it for us. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14 says this. Now, before I read it, I want you to know that this is, one, a rebuke of Israel, but it's also a promise a promise to Israel as well as a promise to the people of God of what we receive when we keep Sabbath rest. Isaiah 58, 13 through 14 says this, If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you shall take delight, you shall take delight in the Lord, and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So what we find here is a promise of a blessing that when we take Sabbath rest, we ultimately find our delight in Christ. We find our delight in the Lord and His blessing towards us. We experience deep and abiding joy. We have more satisfaction in Christ. We find rest for our weariness. That when we create these patterns, these rhythms, this rule of life where we are practicing Sabbath rest, we find these blessings. I've seen it in my own life. Sadly, I, I did not grow up with this teaching of Sabbath and the beautiful realities of it until later on, until I started practicing it myself. I didn't see these blessings that when I took a day off from work that I could truly rest. And what was great was that when I went back into work, it seemed that I had more energy my soul was filled up, and I was able to do the work that I was assigned better than if I hadn't taken that day off to practice Sabbath rest. Now, there are some dangers of not practicing Sabbath correctly. And I think that we see this in society a lot, and we call it burnout. There's a danger of not taking rest and it's because we are constantly going and going and going. And what we're saying to ourselves, maybe we don't actually say this verbally, but we practice it, is that we know more or we are more in tune with ourselves than who God has called us to be. Right? We might not say this out loud, but we may practice this with our lives when we don't practice Sabbath rest, and then we get to this place of burnout. We all have a different capacity, right? We all have a, we could have a high or low capacity, it doesn't matter. We have a capacity, we get to an ending point, 
And we start getting to these ending points because we think that we know more than God. And when we refuse to rest in what God clearly, clearly calls us to do, what we're indicating is that there's something more that we trust than Him. So burnout comes. That doesn't always come. I mean, we could be resting well and we still get to a burnout. And so, you know, if, if I'm having a dialogue with you, well, I, I would try to pull out some of the other roots that may be causing this. But in general, what I've noticed, what I've seen, is that burnout comes because we are not resting well. The other, the other danger that I've seen in not practicing Sabbath correctly is laziness. So this is the other pendulum, right? And the Bible is against laziness. The Bible is against being a sluggard. Read the book of Proverbs. You'll see this danger. And I want to get to, we'll get to kind of what laziness and how we confuse laziness and rest in a minute. But I think a danger is that we can think that laziness is rest when in reality it's not. And I was having a conversation with some uh, people this week about the topic of rest, and one of the questions came up of like, how do we make a, 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 a di- differentiate is the right word I was looking for. How can we see what the difference is between rest and laziness? And to be honest, if, if I look at myself, I know, I know when I'm being lazy and I know when I'm resting, right? And I think I'm talking to adults in this room, mostly, and I think we all know the difference between what laziness looks like and rest. And one of the ways that I know that I'm not resting well is that when I'm done being lazy or quote-unquote resting, I'm still tired. (laughs) Right? So maybe that's a sign that we are not truly resting well, even if we've just binge-watched the entire New Girl series. So I think the danger is when we don't practice rest, Sabbath rest correctly, we can fall into a pattern of laziness. So, those are some dangers. I want to bring up some reasons why we don't practice Sabbath rest, and then I want to get into where we get this Sabbath rest from. So, reasons that we don't, and I'm going to give four of these um, because it's the fourth commandment, so we'll go with four. First reason, the reason we don't practice Sabbath rest is somehow we believe that our to-do list is more important than God's. That we believe that our work and what we are doing is more important than what God has called us to do in resting, in trusting in Him, in remembering and resting in His promises to us. The second reason I think we don't rest is that work feeds our ego, and rest reveals weakness. Work feeds our ego. Even even if we don't have a lot of work, it is nice to finish tasks, right? Who doesn't like to check off boxes? I love to. It feeds my ego. I'm, I'm doing something. But what does rest do? Rest reveals weakness. Rest means there's inactivity. And oh man, like listening and, and hearing some of the sermons and reading some of the things on rest this week, I found myself like, what? what am I, if I take a day off, what am I supposed to do? And I could feel the war and tension within me, right? You ever had those days where you're like, you know what, I'm going tr- to Sabbath rest. And you get up and you're like, okay, I read the Bible for two hours. Good, good, check that off. It's 11 o'clock. What am I supposed to do? And you're, there's tension because you're being inactive. But it reveals weakness. It reveals that we're finite. And that's okay. Reasons we don't rest. The third reason is that we do confuse rest with laziness. You know, I just talked about that. We, we confuse rest with laziness. Laziness looks ugly. Rest looks glorious. Laziness doesn't point to God. It points to self. But rest points to God and helps us remember and meditate on who He is and what He's done for us. And then finally, and I, I, think, I think this one I've noticed as I've grown up, just been around a lot of moms with kids, but I, I think it, it fits kind of with all of us. But one of the reasons we don't rest is because we feel guilty when we do. 
right? We feel guilty when we do. I found this especially true of moms with small children. We feel guilty when we rest. Because we say, if I rest, then this won't get done around the house. Then this will look like it's still dirty. My house will look like somebody lives here. So I feel guilty. Now, I mean, go back up to the ladies in this part. If, if we're being lazy and our house is dirty and things are ha- not happening, then that's the incorrect way of Sabbath resting. But when we are resting well and we don't get something done in the house or we don't get something done at work, we don't need to feel guilty. Guys, that's a lie from Satan, and I want you to repent of it and push it out of your minds. It is not wrong to rest. And ultimately, it is until we know that Jesus is our rest that Sabbath will remain a mystery or a burden to us. I mean, if you talk about taking Sabbath rest with a non-believer or non-Christians around you, it's a mystery to them. It seems like a burden to them. I remember working in sales and talking about, I'm taking Sabbath, I'm taking a Sabbath, I'm taking a Sunday off. I'm not going to work seven days a week like everyone else, and I promise you, I will be fine. And I was. But man, talking to my non-believing friends in, in my sales department, they were confused. Man, that, wait, what? You're going to give up a day of work? You're going to have all this stuff to catch up on. I, I promise you I'll be okay. They were confused. And it's ultimately because they didn't understand or know who Jesus was and that he is our ultimate Sabbath and that he promises that when we take this rest, it'll be okay. And so to answer that question of where do we get it is, it's in him. You see, the Mosaic Law, the Ten Commandments, was a shadow pointing us to the greater thing to come. Now don't hear me say that those Ten Commandments are not something that we still follow. We do as believers. This is how God governs us. But that was never meant to save. It was only meant to point us to the ultimate rest in Christ. And I want you to see three things about Him, about Christ, connected to the Sabbath that we find in the New Testament. The first one is this, that Jesus always kept the Sabbath. He always kept the Sabbath. Matthew 5, 17 through 20, where he comes in and says, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He goes on to say that I'm I'm not getting rid of it. You still keep this law. This law is still intact until I return or God calls you home. But I've come to fulfill it. And what Jesus is saying in this fulfillment is that whenever you break one of these laws, and you will, I will, we do, I have met them for you. So that all who believe in me are seen in my righteousness and accepted by God. So Jesus keeps the Sabbath and he keeps it for us. The second thing that we find in the New Testament is Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. In Mark 2, 23 through 28, we find that Jesus and his disciples are walking through a grain field on the Sabbath day, and some of his disciples start to pick, because they're hungry, some of the grain off of the wheat. And they start eating. And the Pharisees see that this is a breaking of the law. And Jesus rebukes them, and ultimately tells the Pharisees that man was made to Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, that we might find rest and refreshment in God. Sabbath was made for man, and that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, that we ultimately look to him for rest. And this is the third thing we see in the New Testament when it comes to Jesus and the Sabbath, is that he is our ultimate rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, the verse we read this morning, Come to me, all who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and I will give rest to your souls. 
for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Guys, when we remember and meditate that Jesus is our ultimate rest, we are reminded of the promise that Sabbath shows us that we can stop striving. When we practice Sabbath rest, we are reminded that we can stop striving. We can stop striving in sin. We can stop striving with sin. As we read in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Sabbath is an act of freedom. It's an act of liberation. So Sabbath rest reminds us that we have been freed from sin and the slavery to it. And as Galatians 5 tells us, it's for freedom that we've been set free. So don't go back to the yoke of slavery of sin. And so Sabbath points us to that liberation. Because guys, we are not made to bear our own sin. Only Jesus can take that for us. And he gives us a promise of rest. He gives us the promise of his yoke, of his burden, which is light. Lay it on him. Rest in him. The Sabbath also means that we can stop striving in our self-righteousness. And I think oftentimes this is probably where we land even more, right? It's this idea that we need to perform, that we need to measure up, that we have to do things in order for God to be pleased with us. But the Sabbath reminds us, no, you don't. Christ has done all that you need. So rest in Him. Rest in Him. Stop striving to enter God's rest because we have it ultimately in Jesus. So how do we practice rest? How do we practice this Sabbath rest? Well, I'm going to give you three or four things that I... I'm not going to try to lay laws on you guys, right? Uh, well, this is the way to practice Sabbath rest, and if you don't do it, then you're in sin. I'm not, no, that's, that's not what I'm trying to do this morning, because Sabbath should be a way in which we practice in our own, it really in our own time. There should be freedom for us to be able to practice it. One of the things that we do see in Scripture, being that from the Old Testament to the New, when it comes to Sabbath, is that because Jesus is our ultimate rest, we now have freedoms from what we'll see the ceremonial and civil laws of the Old Testament. So what I mean by that is those 613 laws that were given to Israel, the civil ones uh, that, that governed kind of how they lived, and then the ceremonial ones that governed how they worshipped, right? We, we don't follow those anymore. But the moral ones, the, the Ten Commandments, we do still follow, but ultimately in light of the New Covenant. And so that's why it's still important for us to keep a Sabbath, but it's not necessarily we have to keep a Sabbath the way Israel kept the Sabbath. All right, we, we don't keep it on Saturday. Right, we, we, I mean, we honestly, I, the way Scripture describes Sabbath, we don't even have to keep it on Sunday. Now my recommendation would be, if you're able to Sabbath on Sunday, do it, because it is the Lord's Day. And it is a time in which we are worshiping and celebrating and remembering and meditating on what God has done for us through song and through the reading of God's word. But it can't go across the board to everyone, right? Because I'm not Sabbathing today. <laughs> My rest doesn't happen on Sunday. And I know that we have doctors and nurses and, and uh, people who have different schedules that don't allow for Sunday Sabbath. So I'm not going to lay out a law or weight that has to be Sunday. But what I am going to say is that needs to be one out of seven days. That's what we take from the remembering of Sabbath, the remembering of the Sabbath rest. And so my encouragement in how we practice it is to remember it and to keep it and to plan for it. So with that one out of seven days, if, if your week looks different every single week, then maybe you need to, at the beginning of the week or the week before, you need to plan what day is going to be your Sabbath rest. So remember it and keep it and plan for it. I mean, this is, this is a part of the rule of life, right? This is the rhythms and patterns that we want you to set in order to mature in Christ. So remember it, keep it, plan for it. But in this, 
In the Sabbath rest, what we're doing is we're resting from our work, right? We're resting from our work. Now, I don't know what that might look like, and this is, again, where the freedoms of being a believer in Christ fall into, but one of the, I think, one of the wise things that I heard that kind of stuck with me this week was from an old Jewish rabbi that said, if you work with your hands, rest with your mind, but if you work with your mind, rest with your hands. And I think that's a good general principle when it comes to Sabbath rest, right? Now, some of you might be like, well, what if I do both? Okay, like, we'll try to figure out what it is. I mean, we're not trying to create strict laws, but what we're trying to do is create a pattern and a rhythm of rest. So that might be a good general rule. But what I do want to say as well is when we rest, we want to make sure that we're not exploiting others by doing so. So I'm going to talk to husbands in here because this is the pattern that I grew up in, and so this is the only thing that I remember when it comes to rest. Husbands, you're responsible for your wife and your kids, right? This is what we believe. This is, we, we see this is God's call to the husband in the house. And so it's not okay to go, well, I'm home now. Sunday is my Sabbath as the husband. Serve me. It's not okay. That is not okay. You can't put the work that you're resting from on your family, on your wife, on your kids, and exploit them. And if Sunday is, in fact, your day of rest, but it's not your wife's day of rest, then you better find a day that she can. That's what leading and loving well looks like, okay? And I've been around a lot of the households and families in here. I know how hard wives are working. Husbands, good luck trying to do that without rest. Okay, so help your wife find a day to rest. And on reverse, wives, help your husbands find a day to rest. This is what loving each other well looks like. Hopefully you guys can do it as a family. But again, some, some structures, some seasons, some families, they're going to work differently. So this is where we have freedom to live inside of God's command to us. So remember it and keep it. Plan for it. Don't exploit others. That's the first point. The second one is and when we practice, or how do we practice Sabbath rest, is that we should take more Sabbath time. And what I mean by this is this, is this is a way in which we can create rhythms in our life that we are disconnecting from our work. Right? We are one of, if not the most connected to our work, the most generation connected to our work than any other generation. Our phone keeps us connected to our jobs if we choose it. And one of the ways that we can begin to create Sabbath rhythms in our life is just to find ways to disconnect from it. So you can create rules. I've, I've heard different pastors and theologians talk of how they created Sabbath in their life through the rules of life. And so it came to days and weeks and months and years. And so an example, again, I'm not trying to lay weight or burdens on you guys because some of this even to me is a little bit crazy. But one day a week, for one hour, phone is shut off, right? To disconnect from the world and rest with the people of God or your family, your loved ones. And then one day a week, completely shut everything off. And then one week a month. And then one month a year. I, I don't know how you get to the one month a year part, but that, that's pretty incredible to me. Now, this isn't saying that you become a hermit and completely shut the world off. But this is saying that you're disconnecting from your work and you're practicing Sabbath rest and remembering what God has done for you in Christ and remembering his goodness and the gifts that he's given to you. And I don't know what that would look like in your life. I don't even know what it would look like in mine. I tried to think through some of these things and I'm like, man, this would be difficult. But as we've talked about in these past weeks, some of these difficult things would be good for us, right? Sometimes difficult things and disciplines that we put in our lives, just because they're difficult doesn't mean that they are wrong, 
Right, going and starting the gym and going consistently might seem difficult early on. Heck, it might seem difficult three years in, but you continue to go so that you can maintain a good balance of health. So it might be difficult, but create more Sabbath time. The next thing in your Sabbath is to balance your Sabbath time. Tim Keller gave three great examples that I'm, I'm going to read off here that I, I think are good ways in which we can balance our Sabbath time, specifically in our days off. Uh, the first one is avocational. That's avocational. Do something you don't normally do. So going back to the Jewish rabbi, if you work with your mind, Sabbath with your hands. If you work with your hands, Sabbath with your mind. So do something you don't normally do. So if you like, if, if you don't work in the fishing industry and you like to fish, go fish, right? Just think through things that you don't normally do to go and rest. Rest in God's goodness and what he's given to you. Go take a walk, but turn your watch off. Don't count your steps. Don't count your calories. Just go for a walk. Don't go for a walk right now. It's really cold. <laughs> Maybe later on. So avocational. The second one in balancing is contemplative. And I think this is important. And I think this one can really begin to help us dig deeper in our walk with the Lord. Is that when we Sabbath, we need to do the deeper work in our souls. Ultimately, we need to be worshiping. Sabbath is not about a time off or a break in routine. It's not a mini vacation to give us respite so we're better prepared as we go back to work. The Sabbath is more than a diversion. It's meant to be an encounter with God's delight. We are meant to delight in God in worship and in rest and ultimately, as we remember and meditate on what God has done for us, this is where we can begin to do that work. We've got to do the deep work of the soul when we are resting. And then thirdly, there does need to be some inactivity, right? So this is where I'm not trying to throw binging Netflix under the bus. There needs to be some inactivity, but it doesn't need to steer into laziness. That doesn't need to be all that you do when you rest. What's interesting, in the Old Testament, the seventh year uh, during uh, the gleaning process of the land, Israel was supposed to give the land a Sabbath rest. And they just let whatever was in the field grow. Right? They didn't reseed it, they didn't cut it down. But this is an example of inactivity when it comes to rest. It's a, it's a part of this pattern. So avocational, contemplative, inactivity. And so maybe we can begin to balance our Sabbath time. Maybe we do all three. Maybe we do one of those three each time. But we need to balance our time. Fourthly, we need to have accountability. I understand that sometimes it's not possible to plan for a 24-hour time of Sabbath rest. Some jobs just don't allow it. Some seasons just don't allow it. It I understand that. So maybe in, in the wisdom that we can have, we, we go to our community. This is where we bring other people into our lives and we ask them to hold us accountable. Say, hey, I, I'm starting a business. Or hey, I'm doing this test for my doctorate or whatever it might be to become a nurse or a doctor. What, the, the seasons that we're in where you can't take the Sabbath rest, you go to your community and say, hey, I need these two years. I'm going to try to practice it. I'm going to try to inject some, some Sabbath in it. But I know I'm not going to be able to do it well. And so when these two to three years are done, I need you to come to me and hold me accountable. And so maybe there is a bit of injecting the Sabbath and having accountability when you know that seasons aren't allowing for it. And this is, I mean, this isn't something new for us, right? We, we, we just preach gospel community. We talk about gospel community a lot. We talk about vulnerability and, and letting people in, and this is a part of it. Letting people in to our Sabbath, letting them be accountable or holding us accountable. 
We shouldn't be afraid to let community into this burden. We also shouldn't be afraid to let people into our weariness and let them speak into our lives of maybe we do need to inject more Sabbath into our life. Guys, that, that isn't just for the doctors. That isn't just for the, the small business owners. The, that is for everyone in here, including you moms. Talk to people in your community. Have a small group that you are vulnerable with and just say, I, I'm weary because I'm not resting and I need help to rest well. It's a scary thing. But I promise you, it will create beautiful fruit. So to recap this morning and how to, how to practice Sabbath well, remember the Sabbath, plan for it, keep it, don't exploit others. Take more Sabbath time. We need to balance our Sabbath time. We need to have accountability in community about our Sabbath. Because remember our main point, guys. Practicing Sabbath rest helps us delight in the Lord and it helps us remember His goodness to us in Christ. And as I close this morning, I want us to see, and we talked about it a little bit, that the Sabbath is a shadow, right? The fourth commandment, God's moral laws to us of keeping a day of Sabbath is a shadow of the ultimate rest that we have in Christ. The one day off is not going to save us, right? But it points us to and reorients our hearts to the one who can and does. The ultimate rest in Christ. But what it also does, and when we practice Sabbath, is it points us to the ultimate rest and glory that we will receive as believers. Most of you know that I love the Chronicles of Narnia. I just got done reading the entire series and I thought it was great. Again, um, in the last book, in the last battle, on the last page, Lucy is asking, when are you going to send us back into the real world, the shadow land, as it's called? And Aslan says, no, you guys are here. The term is over. The holidays have begun. The dream has ended. This is the morning. The great story which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. You are now here. And that's what rest points us to. The ultimate rest that when we get to glory, that every chapter is going to be better than the one before because we will be free from sin and shame and striving and we will be resting in Christ. And Sabbath is the shadow of that ultimate rest to come. No more striving, no more sin, no more weariness, and Sabbath, Sabbath reminds us of this reality. But not only does Sabbath remind us of this reality, something that we do every single week in communion is also a shadow of the reality to come. We see and we remember when we take communion that Christ broke his body and his blood was shed for us so that we then could receive his righteousness when we put our faith in Him and trust in Him as Lord and find ultimate rest in Him. And so every week we celebrate communion as Paul celebrates in Galatians 2.20 when he says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. And so this morning we're going to celebrate what Christ has done for us in communion. But remembering that communion is also a shadow of the meal to come when we are in glory. A shadow of the wedding feast with the Lamb where we will be around all the saints, praising God for eternity. And as the hymn ends, when we've been there for 10,000 years, shining bright like the sun, there's no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. This is what communion points us to. This is what Sabbath points us to. And so I'm going to close out in prayer and I'm going to allow for a time of communion. And then we are going to continue in worship and praising God for what he has done for us in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the promise of Sabbath rest. 
Thank you for the promise that you give to us that we find ultimate rest in Jesus. That all of our striving, all of our self-righteousness, all of our sin and shame, Lord, we can take and put upon Christ and he gives us his righteousness, his rest, his yoke. And so, Lord, I, I pray this morning as we hear this truth that we are reminded of it and that we begin to create this rhythm, create this pattern in our lives so that we can practice this Sabbath rest and remember and meditate and rest in you. Thank you for the grace that you've given us, the ultimate rest from sin and shame. Lord, help us continue to look to you and praise you for these truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you for listening to a sermon from The District Church. For more information about us, please visit www.thedistrict.church. Additionally, if any of our sermons have brought encouragement to you, would you please let us know by emailing us at info at